At People's Capital Group, we help you invest in real estate. Build your wealth by owning professionally managed apartment buildings in the northern New Jersey market. We want to show you how owning real estate is attainable, even for the busy professionals that don't have the time or experience investing in real estate. Now, we only work with select people who are serious about building wealth. So find out if you qualify at peoplescapitalgroup.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Passive Cash Flow Podcast. We have an exciting guest today. We have Sonia Gallian Kamanika here on the Passive Cash Flow Podcast. And I wanted to invite Sonia on because not only is she a ball of energy who I enjoy seeing at the local RIAs and, and I really enjoy spending time with, but also Sonia's a single parent. She's wrote a book about thriving as a single parent. And uh, she's also in the overfunded life insurance policy business. She's in the real estate business and she's built a nice amount of wealth for herself and a good business. And she's got great tips for single parents and all types of business owners. So Sonia, how are we doing today? Doing great, Aaron. Thank you for the introduction. Um, I was actually a single parent. I am currently not a single parent, but for about 20 years, I was. Well, hey, that's that's a happy ending there. Like, <laughs> yeah. We all love to find love. Absolutely. Well, that's good. Congratulations for you there. And uh, but yeah, I'm really inspired by your story because most people think single parent, oh, I'm doomed to be poor. I'm I'm never going to be able to have those things in life I wanted. You know, I'm gonna have to put my finances second here. And uh and and that's really a misconception. And I have read your book here and was really inspired by it. Um, but you know, why don't we kind of first learn a little bit about your story and then we can break into uh, some of your tips in your book, okay? Thank you. Um, well, I was, I'm a mother of four, mm -hmm. uh, three girls and one boy. They're all adults now. Um, and I also am a grandparent as oh. well. Um, I would, for the majority of their childhood, I was a single parent. Mm -hmm. Um, we had quite a few challenges from everything to homelessness to, uh, you know, lacking, I guess, food insecurity, lacking our, you know, our basic needs being met, that sort of thing. Um, so it was pretty much a challenge. And I did not have a lot of information during that period. Um, I had learned about financial principles later, but during that time, I thought government assistance was the answer. Mm. Um, I thought asking people, having roommates, that sort of thing was the answer. Um, so we struggled quite a bit for lack of knowledge, shall we say. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, that's why we all struggle, right? You know, if I knew then what I know now, I would have bought more buildings in downtown Newark probably, but, uh, <laughs> oh man. Oh, wow. Okay. So you were, um, so that was about yeah 20 years ago. Okay. And you were, you're struggling there. And then, so how many years did you spend uh, with those challenges? Okay. Um, so I've been stable for 10 years mm -hmm. and I struggled for probably the majority of their childhood, I would say probably a good 15 years or so. Um, mm -hmm. What would happen is I was married uh, to my children's father, but he would move in, move out of the home and I would allow him to keep moving in. Now there was a lot of instability there. Uh, we even actually managed an apartment complex at one time. Um, and even with the opportunities given to us, it was still this instability constantly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, that's really one of the hardest parts of, uh, of separation, uh, working with, you know, being a single parent there. And do we get back together? Do we not? Oh, I love you. I hate you. And and gosh, it's so tough on the kids. You know, it ends. I, I was talking to my friend the other day and she's like, 
yeah, my uh, parents stuck together for the kids. And I think it really messed us up because all they would do is fight the whole time. And, um, you know, my, my theory is if you're not getting along, you're not making a good role model for your children, then they actually might end up growing up better with, without seeing that, with actually just spending time separately with their parents and seeing them go on their, their separate ways. You know, because when it's not, when the household's not healthy and the adults aren't getting along in the household, it's setting just the wrong example for how you treat someone else, uh, what love really isn't, you know, um, and it because love is respect, you know, and and it's it's enjoyment and it is fun and it is a beautiful thing. And there are challenges to it. And you don't always agree on everything, but you know, the, the, when the respect breaks down, I think the relationship breaks down, um, and that can be shown in a lot of ways, you know, uh, through affairs or just not being verbally respectful or, or whatever it is, or not holding up your weight in the relationship either, whatever that perceived is, you know, perception is. So, yeah, I I definitely. Um, uh, recognize those challenges. And then as far as uh, learning how to create wealth and learning how to kind of uh, right those wrongs in a sense, um, how did you start to understand uh, financial wealth and how you know pick yourself up by your bootstraps, essentially? Right. The funny thing is I've listened to so many gurus during that whole period, uh, the Tony Robbins, all those guys, unlimited, unlimited this, unlimited that. And um, I was learning, I was definitely motivated um, but I wasn't really learning any practical principles as to how to change a life. I had never even heard about life insurance or let alone high cash value life insurance. Um, I learned about this stuff probably in the last five years or so. I've learned financial principles, um, primarily just being in the industry, hearing, uh, looking at an ad, applying and learning. Wow. I didn't even realize this stuff existed. I mean, I might've heard something about an annuity, had no idea how it worked. You know, um, mm-hmm. so I guess just getting into the financial industry helped mm-hmm. me a lot. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, and surrounding yourself with like-minded professionals, you know, that are using those products, understand those products. Um, you know, I was at a meeting uh, yesterday, the New Jersey Council for Estate Planning, really oh, great wow. group. I think I'll be joining. And, uh, you know, it's incredible when you surround yourself with like-minded professionals you also pick your game up, you know, all of a sudden you say, Oh, okay. Well, you know, it starts with how you dress, right. And how you look and how you carry yourself. And that starts with what we talked about offline here, you know, exercise, meditation, uh, starting your day, right. Getting a good night's sleep, you know, and, and having that structure in your life. But then beyond that, um, you know, really smart people and not even really smart, just hardworking, you know, successful people being in the room, uh, around that is so positive. It's so engaging and um, so it sounds like you started to surround yourself with people with that more positive and optimistic mindset. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure I was exposed to people on some level, but definitely not at the level that I've been meeting people now. And I'm not sure that you appreciate it when you're struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the idea. My book is trying to just get people to the next level of not struggling and recognizing you have more resources than you realize you do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure at the time when I had met others, I was probably just doing the whole give out the business cards, you know, just yeah. thinking about my own situation. But mm-hmm. when you're dealing with high net worth people, um, or I guess anybody, when you're dealing with people, you want to be concerned about their needs first, seek first, mm-hmm. you yes. know, to understand and then to be understood. So, um, oh, that absolutely, the more you give the the more you get, you know, as, as the Beatles say, you know, it's really right. Uh, especially when you're working in a business where you are raising capital or trying to, um, 
get into business, uh, acquire the business of high net worth individuals or anyone, anyone's money. You know, in fact, I find the hardest dollar to raise is actually someone that doesn't have millions of dollars, right? Because if you have $60,000 in your IRA and uh, you're planning on putting $30,000 into a, a fund with a people's capital group, that's right. half your IRA, you know, that's a big decision. That's a big commitment. Um, now, if you have $6 million in your IRA and you're putting $30,000 into a, a fund, that, that's a far less commitment. It's a much faster decision. Um, so yeah, it, it's really uh, incredible. And and But at the end of the day, the conversation tends to be the same. The process, the same. You need to give before you get. You need to explain you know, what you're right. doing, how you're doing it, but also find out what their needs are, what their, what their <laughs> problems are. Right? Everyone has struggles in life. Everyone has needs. And, uh, you know, I like to put out just a lot of content constantly. This is an example of it. And uh, when I go to networking events uh, and I'm, when I'm speaking to people or when I'm on the phone, I try to shut my mouth, right? That's what I try to do, to shut my mouth because I'm a talker and I like to talk about myself like everyone does. And people have questions about what I do. Uh, you know, wow, you run a real estate fund. That must be awesome. You must just wake up and drive your fry around all day. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's what I do. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it, but I really like to engage with other people and hear their story. And if you shut your mouth, they, they tell their story, right? Yeah. It's actually funny. You said at a Ferrari, I was at a networking event yesterday. It's beyond networking. It's far more than that called Rainmaker. Uh, we were planning for the Rainmaker summit and, um, one of the prizes actually is a Ferrari. <laughs> oh, <laughs> driving one, but <laughs> that's um, cool. I know it was pretty awesome, but um, you're absolutely right. Listening, um, and one of the reasons too that I wrote the book and I thought you would be a great collaboration is like I was listening to some of my clients' challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them it might be financial, but others the spouse passed away and now they've got this large sum of money, and it's like, okay, what do you do with it? And you've got information calling coming from all different platforms. Um, and I said, let me write something because I do know what to do and um, and give people kind of some guidance and people that can help with strategies. And you're definitely one of them with the uh, passive investing is probably one of the best things you can do. Yeah, absolutely. And I, yeah, yeah. And I know you're a big proponent of using life insurance as well to accelerate your wealth and get the death benefit and essentially, uh, kind of take a dollar and, and leverage it, you know, or not even leverage it. It's just like get more use out of it. Right. Get, you know, and, uh, but let's break into this uh, because uh, so let, let's give a scenario because people learn through scenarios and let's say, you know, in a scenario, someone's uh, spouse passed away and they, they left them $1 million life insurance policy or something like that. Right. So now you have a lump sum of cash, right. And let's say um, this is a a woman who who was a homemaker, and now she's she's not employed, but she has a lump sum of cash. But she also has a lot of responsibilities and and costs coming up. So, um, what would you suggest? I know I'm putting you on the spot uh, for someone in that position. Uh, I mean, you definitely want to have twenty percent in safe something safe. You want to probably put some of it in another life insurance policy. Um, and one of the reasons I say that is because the money can be passed on to your heirs tax free. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's tax-free anyway, if you structure it properly and you can pull out loans from it for virtually anything. Mm-hmm. So um, the next thing I would say is you need to create some sort of growth, especially if you have a family to care for, you're thinking generationally, generational wealth. Um, you want to put it somewhere passively the money that, I mean, I would imagine if you have a million dollars and you don't have a lot of debt, um, although there's ways we can structure that as well. 
Um, mm-hmm. If you don't have a lot of debt, you could probably take even 50% of that and put it in a fund, put it somewhere where it's going to grow passively and you're going to get some interest back. Mm-hmm. But make sure, I mean, make sure you have some sort of an emergency fund, obviously, because if you just received a lump sum from somebody passing away, there's obviously a possibility you could pass away also. And you want to be, you know, well prepared and structured for your family. Make sure you've gotten, you, you, your basic bills are taken care of, obviously, your um, basic needs, that sort of thing, higher mm-hmm. Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Um, and just have something in, you know, a little bit in the bank in a life insurance policy, because you can draw from that. It's liquid. You can get the money within a few days, but definitely put it somewhere for growth. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, how does that work exactly? You said it's liquid. You can get the money in a few days. Can you explain exactly how someone would uh, go about creating a life insurance policy that they can put money into and then pull it right back out uh, a few weeks later? That doesn't that doesn't seem, you know, we were always told, oh, a life insurance policy, it's 400 bucks a month. You know, you put it in and then 20 years later, it's going to be worth, you know, $200,000. You could send your kids to college. And that was the whole life policy. I was always pitched and I was like, eh, it's not really, you know, grows at 4% a year. But you uh, are talking about uh, something somewhat different. Is that right? Well, it's very similar. Uh, mm-hmm. There are some changes. It's called the new modern, I guess, life insurance where they actually give you accelerated benefits. If you were to become critically ill or chronically ill, critically meaning you get a car accident or something, mm-hmm. um, or you come down with some disease, you can actually access that money. Mm-hmm. Um, it's structured that way. To have a high cash value life insurance policy, yes, you can definitely put it somewhere for 20 years, but you can fund that many of them for seven years to 10 years and have access to that money as needed. What you do is you overfund it, as we talked about, um, you put a portion of it, a lump sum, pay the annual premium up front. And then within 10 days, depending on the company, 10 days to 30 days, you would have access to that money, at least 60% of it within the 10 to 30 days. But it has to be structured that way. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I mean, you hear a lot of information about the temporary policies where you're paying $20 a month, that sort of thing. Those do not have cash benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, this policy has a portion that the premium goes to and it pays for it. It develops a cash section. Like mm-hmm. if you were going to the bank, it would give you cash. Um, and there's a portion for the insurance. Um, does that help? Because if I get into too much, it's going to be a hundred questions. <laughs> No, 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 no. I like that. I like that. Okay. So then let's say, you know, so for example, I'm the person buying the policy. So, you know, the premium on on this policy, maybe it's a thousand dollars a month, something like that, because it's a higher level whole life insurance policy. So that's $12,000 for the year. So I put that forward. And then I also put another, say, $30,000 into the policy as well. Right. So I overfund the policy kind of from day one. Right. My premiums paid off for the year. And then I put it pocket, uh, uh, put away another uh, $30,000 into the policy. Okay. Then in 60 days goes by and I can essentially borrow about 60% of that uh, $30,000, call it like 16, 17,000. So I could pull that right back out of the policy. Is that correct? No. um, The premium, the $1,000 you talked about, it's all combined into one. Um, So what you do is let's say you have the Mm -hmm. $30,000, 10% of that can go towards Insurance costs, 10% will go towards, I, when I say insurance, I mean administrative costs, 10% will be the premium. And then there'll be a portion the insurance company will allow you to take out um, because the money you're putting in, it actually, when you take money out of that, it isn't actually coming out of your account. It's actually coming from the insurance company's account. 
Mm. Uh, so one of the reasons we recommend it is because the money is safe. It's going to grow four to 6%. It depends on the company. It depends on your health. Um, it depends on quite a few factors, but um, that money is safe. It does never interrupted. It's never coming out of your account. You take loans against the death benefit. It's capital. The death benefit is capitalized, oh. um, but it's very safe. Um, the way to make it tax-free is you say to the insurance company, once the policy, once there's money in the cash side of your policy mm-hmm. is I would like a portion. I would like blah, blah, blah. What if you have $20,000 now available or $25,000, you say, I would like $25,000. I've got mm-hmm. a real estate fund I need to invest in or something. Mm-hmm. And then three days, they don't need to know what it's for. They don't ask you questions. They don't, you don't have to qualify for it. You get a check back for mm-hmm. whatever you're asking for. So. Oh, very interesting. As long as that money is in the cash portion of your account. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. All right. And then, so that essentially in the cost of that capital is, uh, or the interest you would owe on that is kind of covered by the growth of the policy, the four to 6% a year. Is that ideally kind of how that works too? Well, it's four to 6% per year is the interest plus you get dividends. So the insurance company pays uh, their administrative costs throughout the year. And then anything extra, it has, first of all, it has to be a mutual company. It, it has to be a mutual insurance company, but then they, after paying their expenses, they give you back a portion through dividends, similar to stocks. You mm-hmm. can get a portion of it back. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> very nice. Very nice. Yeah. All right. That's interesting. All yeah. right. So then, uh, that allows you to essentially get the death benefit there with the policy, Right. Um, be able to borrow a lot, get, get a lot of that cash basically back out and put that cash to work then uh, on an, another investment and start making money with that money. Right. Um, and the cost of that capital. So now you're, you're taking it back out is you don't have to write a check every month to your life insurance company for that 25,000, right? That is correct. Yeah, it's interest only, simple interest payments. You, it, it varies per company. It can be anywhere between four and six percent, depends on the company. And you're just paying interest on the money that you borrowed. Interest only payments annually. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And can those interest only payments essentially be covered by the growth of the policy sometimes too? Because right, the policy itself is also growing at four six percent a year, depending on the market and your yourself and the and the company you work with, right? Absolutely. You've been doing your homework. Yes. Yeah. It can actually be covered by the growth of the policy as well. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Eventually it will get to the point, but you need time for it to find itself and to grow. Uh, that's why I say seven to 10 years after that, you don't even have to make payments and it will continue to grow. At that mm-hmm. point, the policy is usually strong enough that you mm-hmm. won't have to make a payment. You're going to continue to receive interest. You're going to continue to receive dividends. And if you want to keep withdrawing money, that payment should be covered by the interest and dividend now in the policy, mm-hmm. but give it, give it time to grow. <laughs> Seven to yeah. Ten yeah. And this is for, this is a product for people that can put away about $30,000 minimum, right. Per year, uh, right. You do have to have a, a fair amount of excess cash per year to put into this policy. Would you suggest that if you can do, if you can't do 30 a year, uh, or would you suggest this only for individuals that have that type of excess cash to invest? Oh, it's for people, even if you have less money, because it's going to grow over time. So if you have $10,000 in disposable income, I would recommend even having a life insurance policy. I do recommend that a lot for single parents because we're getting lump sums of money every year Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. from the federal government. Um, Mm -hmm. And most of the things you're spending it on are, you know, they're going to depreciate anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, um, 
Okay, so I'm going to play devil's advocate. All right, okay. you ready for this? I'm yes. going to say, all yes, right. Yes, Dave Ramsey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a stockbroker, all right? And uh, here's what I'm going to say. Um, why don't you just uh, get a term life policy, okay? Pay like 25 bucks or like 50 bucks a month or something like that and uh, get your death benefit there and then uh, put the rest of the money into uh, the stock market. Uh, you could do a little bit of the IRA. Your IRA is going to max out at 6000 a year. You could start a SEP IRA, you know, start an LLC and get your IRA limits up to like 47000 a year with that. So maybe you get creative and you start an LLC and you have a SEP IRA. So now you can kind of pile a lot of money into your IRA. Maybe you, you make it a Roth, you know, so you're kind of paying taxes up front when your tax rate is low. Oh, I know a lot about this. And uh so that's going to say, okay, so now I have the death benefit. My money is growing, uh, not necessarily tax-free because with a Roth, you're paying taxes up front. Um, but wouldn't that, um, would that be a better option? Would that be a comparable option? Or why is that not as, as attractive an option? Well, for some people, it is an option. The challenge with just getting a term policy is better than no policy at all. Because if somebody passes away and you're a single parent, especially, uh, you've now put the whole family at risk. Mm-hmm. Um, so in some situations that might be the only thing that's available. If somebody has got a major illness or something, that might be the only option, mm-hmm. but typically, um, that death benefit is never going to be paid out uh, out of a hundred percent of policies. The insurance company typically only pay about 3% or less. They it, typically you outlive the policy. So now you no longer have anything to protect your family. Mm-hmm. and you have no growth. You have nothing you know, to put in. You could put it in an IRA, absolutely. Um, and there's a place for that, especially if you're going to be investing in real estate. Um, but many of those things do have penalties if you remove money out of them, not the Roth. But if you take money out, you're now, you either mm-hmm. can't continue to contribute to it or there's a penalty associated with it. There's no penalty associated with the insurance and the money is safe and guaranteed. Mm-hmm. And the yes. money you put into a life insurance policy, an overfunded life insurance policy would be after tax funds, right? Just like a Roth kind of, right? Correct. Essentially. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. But you're not limited by the, you're not limited to 6,000 a year or so forth. It's not based on your income. You're, mm-hmm. um, you have a lot more flexibility in that area, but mm-hmm. there's room for both. You could definitely have a Roth IRA and you can have a overfunded life insurance policy. There's definitely room for both. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, pros and cons there. Yeah. And the idea here is, is yeah, you're limited essentially, unless you kind of get creative and start doing the SEP. But you know, if you're self, if you're not really self-employed, you're not really supposed to do that. So there's some limitations there, but the, the, the overfunded life insurance policy, there's no limitations. I mean, if you are doing very well, or you have a good year and you want to put a hundred thousand dollars into, I mean, there, there's some limitation, right? I mean, you can't put like 20 million into it, but you can put like a six figures into it, like each year. You could pile a lot of cash away, right? Oh, you could put twenty million into it if you can justify it by your income. What the IRS does is there is a seven-year pay. So in seven years, whatever you're putting in, it has to equal. It has to be like twenty-five percent greater than your income. Um, but there are limits, but not if you have the income. I mean, Walmart uses life insurance. Mm-hmm. everybody's got life all their employees i think they were fine one time for doing it everybody has a life insurance policy including the owners so um if you have tremendous growth you're you got a nine-figure income or or greater you can mm-hmm. definitely use the life insurance to protect your income from inflation 
Mm-hmm. It's being done. It's being done by multi-billion-dollar companies. As we wow, that's really interesting. And then the other side of it, the, um, mm-hmm. the benefits, right? So uh, I, I've read, read something when I was shopping around for um, disability insurance, which is mm-hmm. extremely expensive. Um, I um, ended up not opting for it, but I, I did realize how much more often that is used. Right? It's it's much more likely an individual will be you know, uh, injured or, or get sick or, you know, something like that. And, um, just statistically speaking, then actually pass away, especially with the health and science, you know, we have today. Um, so, uh, now with the, uh, overfunded life insurance policy, you can structure it so that you can start getting payouts. Let, you know, let's say I'm the breadwinner of my family, right? Let's say I get uh, brain cancer. I can't go to work anymore, but I'm still going to be alive for three more years or something. So, Instead of waiting that three years and my family struggling, we could, if our policy was structured the right way, I could start to pool on that policy, start to get benefits. Is that correct? That is correct. I mean, and one of the other benefits of the overfunded um, life insurance policy, high cash value is how I like to phrase it, but high cash value life insurance policy is that one of the other benefits is that you can access the money. And you're also protected from creditors, uh, mm. that money. So if you're in a situation where you have a brain injury and um, now the courts are involved because you don't have a will or something. Um, and now we've got probate and we're trying to fight over who gets the money or what's happening. The life insurance is protected. That goes to the beneficiary, the owner of the policy and the beneficiaries only. Um, and if you did have a disability, um, those benefits are already built into the policy. They're actually built into the term policies as well. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Uh, you can actually access the funds within a few days and it doesn't require an application process, proving anything. Uh, you just request it. Cool. Cool. All right. Let's pivot over to real estate because you are on the passive cash flow podcast and uh, you're yeah. talking to a guy that buys and sells real estate all day and helps people invest in real estate. So I'm a real estate investor too. <laughs> there you go. There you go. We got two real estate investors on the line here. Okay. So how do you invest in real estate? Are you have a very different strategy than me. You're getting on planes. You're going here. You're going there. You're, you're knocking down doors. So how do you build your wealth in real estate? Yes. Um, our biggest thing is through auction, um, yeah. buying off-market deals, uh, tax-defaulted properties, that sort of thing. Um, and yes, we get on a lot of planes. We're going this weekend to California. Um, mainly the tax-defaulted properties, but we have to see the property prior, prior to purchasing it. Some yeah. are REO properties, our real estate-owned properties we like to buy, um, but primarily like tax-defaulted and at yeah. auctions at a discount. So, and then to resell them. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you, uh, do you like wholesale them or sometimes you take title and resell them or it kind of depends on the opportunity? It will depend on the property. Yeah. Depends on the property, depends on the amount of equity, depends on the buyer, that sort of thing. You were open to various options. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You got to go. And best some we're going to sell so that we can be part of your passive, um, fund as well. There you go. Start to park that cash away and not, uh, mm-hmm. put all your eggs in one basket as they say. No, that's good. And um, so now why uh, travel so far? Why not just try to focus on a local market here? Um, Well, there are some good things in the local market. New Jersey is an amazing area. A lot of equity in some of the properties, but many of them, they're going to have to be bought pretty close to market value. So Mm -hmm. uh, we're trying to buy them at a discount. Um, And some of the other places we travel to have better equity that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, over time, the properties here will have that more equity as well, but the majority of them, it's um, it's because of the equity in the property. 
and yeah. because of the opportunity at the time. So it's hard to find a good deal in Jersey. Oh my gosh. You know, oof. yeah, that that's the hardest part of our job, you know, so finding a good deal. And, um, it's tough too. Cause you know, we, we have to really be careful with the dot our I's and cross our T's when you're raising capital, putting other people's money to work. Um, you know, not only are there sec regulations, but you're just, just morally, you really have to, you know, you can't cut any corners. Uh, and when we do our due diligence, when we find red flags, uh, we have to kill the deal sometimes and it stinks because you might have paid $6,000 for a home inspection. You don't get that money back, you know? So, right. um, but that's our job. You know, that's what we do to protect our investors. And we'll, we'll take that hit financially sometimes and move on to the next one. And, and that's uh, the cost of doing business. Um, but, you know, that is one of the hardest parts of our job here in New Jersey is finding a good deal. Now, I'm hoping in the next uh, six to eight months that, the floodgates open up. Maybe I'm just being optimistic. I don't know if they're going to feel like floodgates, but maybe a trickle will start coming in. And, and we actually are seeing that now. So, um, you know, we're seeing more and more opportunities come around. Not quite exactly where we want them yet. There's, We just got outbid on another property uh, the other week. And, uh, you know, a guy came in with like full uh, cash offer and, and, and took it down real quick, um, which is kind of our trick. But uh, it, it, he, he beat us out in the bid. So he got the deal. Um, but you know, basically uh, right now, yeah, that, that's what we're hoping to see. Are you seeing more deals come on the market over the last six months or so and more opportunities in general? Not over the last six months, but definitely looking at as the next 12 months, six to 12 months is where the predictions are that there's going to be a, a flood of properties mm-hmm. on the market. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, everyone's saying that. Yeah, like, my I fingers- yeah, I know. We're, for your next property. <laughs> yeah, we're all we're all like sitting here waiting for that flood, waiting for those prices to come down, you know. And you're still on the phone with sellers, and they're like, "Yeah, you want it? Here's the price." And you're like, "Well, I don't want to pay that." And they're like, "All right, there's the door." And you're like, "Ah, that's the same conversation I had the last eight years with you, you know." So, um, I but I'm just I, I can't wait for that day where it's, <laughs> I can say, "Oh, there, here's my offer. You don't like it? There's the door. That's gonna feel good." <laughs> And your focus, what is your unit? Your average units are? How sure. many so we, yeah, we focus on a kind of a, a unique little spot. We, uh, we're in the $3 million to $10 million space. Um, so kind of a smaller than a lot of the more institutionalized investment companies like and uh, bigger than most mom and pop private investors uh, can afford. So we're kind of in a little uh, spot there, a nice little niche in the market, I feel. Um, we do you know, North Jersey and Central Jersey market here, we manage everything in house. So we do want to be within an hour of our properties here in New Jersey. And um, yeah, but that's our specialty, you know, and people always say, oh, or when are you going to go to the Carolinas? When are you going to go down to Florida? When are you going to start investing in Texas? And I said, listen, I I have been, I fired three management companies in my life. One was stealing money from us. And, uh, you know, seven years ago, we started our own management company here and started really uh, doubling down the syndication space um, probably about five years ago. And, um, you know, it's it's so hard to develop a good staff and good management. And you need trustworthy people. You need good people. You need hardworking, patient people that are loyal. And um, it took many years to develop this whole system. And boy, to do it all again somewhere else than there. Um, sounds uh, dismal. So, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, when some, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. We're doing very well here in this market. We've yeah, done yeah. two times targets, uh, one and a half times targets. We're you know, knocking it out of the park uh, over the last year or so. So really, um, yeah, you know, that's that, off that's... to you. I, mean, <laughs> my, yeah, I didn't even, I didn't 
tell you, my husband and I used to manage an apartment, not an apartment complex, a retirement community in um, Massachusetts, East Longmeadow, Massachusetts, called Bluebird Estates. And it was, as we were coming in, uh, that was what was happening. The staff were stealing the rents and things like that mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. the retired residents. Wow. So wow. it is very, very challenging. You have to have yeah. a lot of accountability, a lot of checks and balances. So. But yeah. If you do want to branch out to other states, there are some people that I know that travel frequently that would be happy to go and inspect the properties for you. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's, that, I, listen, I'd love to get on a plane and start trying. That's the fun part, right? Uh, going to, I always tell Seth, he has the fun job. He gets to spend the money. I got to raise the money. So, um, no, it's not know. fun anymore. Trust me. The planes are, it's not as fun as it sounds anymore. So, <laughs> yes, yeah, he says. So the grass is green on the side. So, um, yeah. No, it's, you know, it's, it, there's tons of opportunity and, and tons of markets. And I think there will be a day, you know, we, we branch out into uh, different markets, but again, maybe not, you know, if we can continue to uh, rinse and repeat here with this uh, strategy, yeah. it's, it's worked very well for us. And a lot of people like us because we're the Jersey guys, you know, we, we do syndications in Jersey. Um, there's not a lot of other companies really doing the syndications in Jersey. They might be raising capital in Jersey and New York, but not buying properties here, you know, where we are doing both. So uh, about 80% of our investors uh, are from Jersey, New York, and I like, know the cities they're investing in, and maybe they grew up around them and, and saw them improve or want to be part of that improvement of the inner city areas in, in New Jersey here. So yeah, I grew up in Jersey too. I'm born and raised. And I, I love what I'm seeing happening in, in Newark and, and Patterson, you know, Patterson's coming back. It really is. Um, there's right. a lot of opportunity there. Um, the, the current governments, uh, they're having a baseball stadium now, uh, be put in there, a minor league baseball stadium, you know? So I, I see a lot of opportunity in, the, in these cities that uh, we're right near the greatest city in the world, Manhattan, as they say, uh, you can't really go wrong with that, uh, demand uh, It's pretty consistent to be outside of that, you know, within 90 minutes of Manhattan or so. And you, you definitely um, but, want to you know, invest with so some- many different strategies. No, and you definitely want to invest with somebody who's a local, who knows that local market. And obviously you do being born and raised here and. Um, I want to put my money where I can trust that you know what you're doing and that you ha- operate your own management company. So that's very significant. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I've been to looking into different markets at different times and there's completely different laws everywhere you go. Um, <laughs> you know, heck, <laughs> I know. <laughs> right. I mean, if you invest in Passaic, it's different than Patterson and those cities neighbor each other. Right. So like that's just one <laughs> group of cities in one part of new jersey so i i remember i was looking at a building in chicago one time and the the person trying to sell to me was like really pushing it down my throat and like this is the best deal look at these prices the prices were good but i did a little digging i called some realtors They're like do not touch that area that's the worst area oh by the way you'll never evict tenants you know it's, it's just uh the laws here so you know and, and i i got a reality check on like Right. Why, you know, I always say, why isn't the Aaron Fragito of Chicago trying to buy that deal? You know, because no one knows about it. I put in the address. It's all over the Internet. I'm like, yeah, right. So, yeah, I mean, some of the options, too, that we look at. Uh, chances are, if they're going out and trying to push the deal on you, you're like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Caveat emptor, buyer beware. Um, yeah, I mean, some of the properties we've even looked at, thankfully, they disclose it's a drug house. So, or we look at hoarder houses as well. So you do have to know what you're doing, be careful, um, and do some research. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Great. Great. So Sonia, I really enjoyed our time here. We've covered a lot of interesting topics. Uh, we touched on a little bit of marriage advice and relationship 
advice uh advice for single parents uh we dove pretty deep into the uh uh, high cash value uh, life insurance policy and uh, how you can use that to borrow against and, and buy more assets and build your wealth on a on a larger scale, still getting that death benefit and kind of and eventually letting the policy essentially pay for itself completely. So um, that's a really cool option. And uh, then we also talked about real estate and how to invest wisely in real estate, your strategy, my strategy, yours sounds more fun. You get to ride around in planes all the time and drive Ferraris. Uh, I'm uh, here in the office in Somerville, New Jersey, but Hey, I'm going to have a Buffalo chicken salad for lunch. And I'm really looking forward to that. So you gotta... <laughs> <laughs> the small wins, the small wins. Yes. <laughs> so how can people get in touch with you? Well, I would love if they would just call, uh, my toll-free number it would be great. And then I'm going to send them some information. Um, it's 833-369-7111. Eight three 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 six nine seven one one one. You can also go right onto Amazon and put in my name, just even just Sonia Gallion, S O N J A G A L Y O N. If you're interested in the book, but otherwise, I'm happy to just just call me, and I have um, I'll send the information through Mingle. So. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yes. Excellent. And uh, to our listeners, uh, I, I strongly suggest you connect with Sonia. I've really enjoyed uh, doing business with her, uh, getting to know her. She, she's a ball of all fun. So just, uh, and that smile, it's its uh, contagious. It really is. I'll tell you, walk into a room, it lights up the room. Thank but, you, Aaron. Uh, Have thank- a great day too. Oh my gosh. Yes. A lot of fun here. And thank you to our listeners for jo- listening here to another episode of the Passive Cash Flow Podcast. Of course, if you haven't hit that like or subscribe button on uh, YouTube or the other podcast platforms you're on, please do. And please uh, leave a review. We'd love to hear more from you. Uh, any ideas you have for more topics or guests, you can email us at info at peoplescapitalgroup.com. Of course, check out our website, peoplescapitalgroup.com. We have over a hundred podcast episodes, uh, probably about 20 webinars up there as well and tons of information. We just redid our ebook also, so you can download that. And we have a number of uh, uh, pieces of content there, seven red flags for passive investors, all different types of things. So check that out at peoplescapitalgroup.com. And Sonia, one more time, how can people get in touch with you? Um, you can call me at 833-369-7111. Great, have a good day, talk soon. Thank you, bye Aaron.